ants. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't even coordinate it. <laughs> we, didn't, we, didn't, we didn't plan that. <laughs> we didn't plan it. We just it. looked at each other and said ants. <laughs> Nice. Let's go. The, okay. <laughs> okay. You can't tell me that wasn't the best opening. <laughs> that might be that's the ever best happened. opening we've ever done. <laughs> I um, love. I, you know what I love about our podcast? Sometimes what is there is no fourth wall. No. There's a bead curtain that we walk through. Yep, pretty much. You know, like, <laughs> there's no wall. <laughs> we just openly tell people, "Hey, it's going shit." Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of, speaking of uh, the last, there was a myriad of reasons why the last podcast probably went up with this one. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, there were a lot of uh, family events that happened for me. And among- then I had like hella work um, that like kept distracting me. Um, well, not distracting me. I guess the podcast is truly the distraction yeah. in that scenario. Yeah. Well, so we're bi-weekly podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but you're your favorite bi-weekly. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we do. But... Don't worry, we're we're coming back. Don't worry, it will it will it will get better. Yes, no, it won't. we'll say it'll get better and then it won't. It's like a it's like a high school relationship, you know. <laughs> yeah. Oh shit. Yeah. Well, yeah. If we don't address these problems, they're just going to keep festering. You know? Exactly. Yeah. That's well. the best kind. <laughs> so ants. Yeah. So we saw the new Ant Man movie instead of Cocaine Bear. We're really sorry <laughs> for all you guys who wanted us to see Cocaine Bear. We saw the requests. See cocaine bear. See cocaine bear. Uh, we we didn't. The requests really were flooding in. Yeah, <laughs> my DMs had like a solid zero people. Yeah, <laughs> we saw how many people wanted it, but instead we saw Ant Man, Quantumania. Is that what it's called? Yeah, I don't know. Question: Are we getting to a point where it's like, eh, we don't need to see all the um, MCU Marvel. movies? Yeah, yeah kinda, honestly, yeah, kinda. But we'll still see Guardians of the Galaxy Volume uh, 3. We will see Guardians Volume 3. We probably will. Exactly. <sighs> is James Gunn even directing that? He is directing it. It's the last Marvel project he's directing. Yeah, I don't know. I'm very excited for James Gunn to take over DC. I think he actually can get... Yeah, I mean, there were a lot of news that came out about it. And, like, I think it's going to be good. I think that there's, like, finally a streamlined process. Yeah. That's which... what they needed. Like, it felt like... There was... Uh, for DC, there was just, like... Everyone was everywhere with every project. Yeah. They did not, there was no consolidation yeah. of ideas whatsoever. Yeah. And, you know, I think uh, Black Adam was kind of the, <laughs> the straw, <laughs> the last straw. No, it Look. might be having Ezra Miller still star in a movie. <laughs> oh, shit. I don't, yeah. Do DC is still in shambles because Zachary Levi is anti-vax Ugh. and, you know, Ezra Miller is a total shit show. So it's like... Uh, dude, Spock is anti-vax. That's just so disheartening. Yeah, really yeah. sad. Oh, also to give another uh, peek behind the, the curtain that doesn't exist, um, Rishi, our fearless producer or uh, engineer, yeah. um, <laughs> forgot to bring the mic stand for Keshav. Um So... Uh, Michael is just laying on my bed. That's true. <laughs> I, microphone is in hand. Yeah. So if it's choppy, you know why. Blame Rishi. Blame Rishi because he didn't bring the mic stand home. Despite me texting him, hey, can you bring the mic stand? Asshole. Idiot. I know. Uh, well, this intro's <laughs> been drawn out. But... Yeah, pretty much. So we saw the Ants movie. 
the ants movie uh which is directed by Peyton Reed, who did the other ones. Yeah, the Peyton Reed. I the know. Peyton Reed, the most mid-director based, <laughs> based on the shit I've seen. <laughs> oh my god. Dude, it's like, this is a movie with like, absolutely no sense of like, self. Yeah. You know? Like, there's if there's one thing that is like, unique, it is like, Paul Rudd and Michael Douglas. And the ants. <laughs> and the ants. No, it's the, okay. the ants. Well, the ants are part of, but like Paul Rudd and Michael Douglas's performances are kind of unique for the MCU. Yeah. They're quippy in a different way. Yeah. In like a, in like a kind of like still refreshing way. Yeah. Um, Like Paul Rudd can just say pretty much anything. And, it's, and you'll be like, oh, it's Paul Rudd. <laughs> yeah, I mean, kind of, <laughs> kind of. It actually kind of hurts him when he has to do dramatic things. Yeah. Because I'm, I'm still just like, Paul Rudd. <laughs> Yeah, see, here's the thing. Like, Adam Sandler, I think, definitely can do dramatic performances pretty well. Like, oh, he's yeah. really good in Punch Drunk Love, and he's really good in Uncut Gems. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, he's very good in those two movies. I don't think I could ever see Paul Rudd doing one of these. Oh, like, no. Like, Paul Rudd... I don't know why I always go to 12 Years a Slave. Paul Rudd and 12 Years a Slave <laughs> would just be, would be bad, bad, dude. That's not good. We'll be like, hi, I'm a slave owner. <laughs> <laughs> He'd been like, we're working hard or hardly working. Yeah. Like, no. <laughs> oh, you're not working hard? Well, I'm a slave owner now. No, <laughs> like, don't do that. I know. This is just the constant battle of will I almost cancel myself repeatedly? Yes. <laughs> I don't know. I, I think that I really did like the first Ant Man movie. I thought it was pretty fun. Like, it was a fun time at the movies. Yeah. That I didn't feel guilty about seeing, like... See, the first Ant-Man came out at a time where, like, the MCU was so hot. Like, yeah. it was... Was that, like, late Phase 2? Yeah. It was the, the last movie in Phase 2. It was 2015 when it came out. Yeah, right? So, like, it came out at a time that where, like, the MCU was, like, really, really cooking. Mm-hmm. And everyone knew, like, Thanos was coming. And mm-hmm. we were all wrapped up in, like, Infinity Stones and stuff like that. So, yeah. any movie that didn't have either an Infinity Stone or one of, like, the core Avengers... Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of those were like just kind of like off to the wayside and no one really cared about them unless mm-hmm. they were hella unique like Guardians, right? Yeah, exactly. And Ant-Man didn't just like never quite, quite got there. They tried to be like, oh, it's a heist movie and it's like, it's really not. Yeah, I in mean, it's, any sense of the word. It's just like kind of, you know, the, he goes small. Can you call something a heist movie when there's no like giant scene where they like have everyone talking with like a map in front of them (laughs) and that might even exist in it but it's just like it's not the things you remember about you remember like the shrinking and and the ants and michael pena and michael Michael Pena. i love michael and he wasn't in this one i know and he was bullshit uh like yeah so like the first ant man it's like it is fun like, it's a very fun movie. It's just, like, there's nothing memorable about it. Thanks, Peyton Reed. Yeah. And that's that's kind of the thing. But, like, I feel like we all kind of really like Ant-Man simply for the fact of Paul Rudd is playing him. Yeah. And it's very impossible to hate Paul Rudd. Oh, Tyler. Like, like, he's so great. It doesn't matter what he's in. You like him he's, in everything. He's awesome. Because he's just a likable guy. I just mean, a likable white he, guy. He, <laughs> he's a likable white guy. And he was... 2021's sexiest man alive. True. You're right. Mm-hmm. He's exactly. got a great, he's got a dynamite smile. He does. 
It's really, really great smile. Dilf, Dilf energy. Oh, kind of Dilf energy. Yeah. You're right. Um, and like we saw that in Captain America Civil War where like, you know, he showed up for that little bit, but then when he grew big, that was like pretty awesome, right? You know? <laughs> yeah, no, 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 no. Like he's, I think he works so well as a side character and he cannot carry his own movie. No. Yeah. And that's the thing. And I feel like it's not any different with this one. Yeah. Like it wasn't anything special in the second Ant-Man movie. Yeah. Honestly, the second Ant-Man movie, this movie has been getting a lot of hate from critics. Um, and I don't get it. Like, I think they're just fucking tired of MC. Okay, if you're a critic who has to go review movies, mm-hmm. like, you usually like seeing, like, the more, like, foreign movies and shit mm-hmm. like that. Like, A.O. Scott from the New York Times probably hated this movie with like, every fiber of his being. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. God, A.O. Scott sucks. But, like, we don't uh, like him. <laughs> he sucks. Um, but like if uh, Aaron Sorkin wrote a movie he's like my favorite <laughs> oh, God. he works for the New York Times of yes. course <laughs> um, but like no but like regular critic I think like in people in Ron Tomatoes reviewers and shit like that like I think they're just so tired of MCU and this is so <laughs> this is such an MCU like formulaic movie it is very much an MCU movie so if yeah. you don't like the MCU you're this gonna, is not gonna yeah you're probably gonna hate those it's not like Black Panther 2 where there were elements that were definitely not MCU like that yeah. really were great about it yeah this one there's not really anything like that like like Black Panther 2 had like a ton of MCU-isms exactly mixed in with like truly great representation and dramatic and, and like dramatic beats and like yeah. Angela Bassett got a freaking Oscar nom for it yeah and she, which yeah. deserved right yeah and like she killed it like yeah there's yeah so like it's not that at all but but um, it's also not the worst thing ever no you know yeah it's not like like i would consider unfortunately eternals to be a bad movie eternals is a bad movie this is not a bad movie no it's not it is not a bad movie it i would say that like the second Ant-Man is actually like considerably more forgettable. Yeah. Like considerably more forgettable. This had a few things that at least made it stand out a little bit. Unlike yeah. that one, that one was literally just like, what if we did a heist, but in San Francisco? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah. So. Like, like, no. And like, yeah, this is, I would not say it's like that. Like there's a lot of memorable elements. I think that the world of the quantum zone is actually like, fairly visually interesting. Yeah, the CGI was not bad by any means. I was expecting... For the amount that they had to do, especially... It was pretty impressive for how much stuff they had to do and that it didn't look really bad. Yeah, I mean, like, if we literally go back... Five years, this is... Five years ago, this is possible. It just takes, like, longer. Mm -hmm. And they, like, talk about it more in the the lead-up. But, like... If you go back 10 years, this is an impossible movie to make. Like, it is, it is so, so good um, for, like, the amount that they had to do. And I feel like sometimes, I guess, underrated. But there's so many people who are so underpaid for this. Yes, they are all underpaid. And I want to show them all the love yeah. and appreciation that they deserve. We bring it up every time because they are, the, they are probably, <laughs> in the entire film industry, the group that is the most like shat on yeah <laughs> in terms of like they don't get any recognition for their insane work unless you work at weta no one cares and yeah. even weta never works on its own exactly like right yeah and so especially and i can't emphasize it enough most of the movie is in the quantum realm it's a solid like 
I like hour uh, and a half to hour fifty. I think of the movie. I would. Yeah. How long is the movie again? I think it's two hours. If it's if the movie is two hours, I would say it's like an hour forty five. Yeah. Like all in the CGI world. Yeah. Which but, I'm not saying that. I know CGI is used as like a really like, oh, it's a sh- shitty movie. You yeah. Know? No, it, it's the world. Like it is the world that they are doing. Like friggin' that's the same thing with Avatar, but like yeah. it can work. We're at that point with like the technology. Um, and I yeah. think that they try to do a lot of interesting things. I will say um, y- you have no sense of like space necessarily yeah. within the quantum zone. And that kind of sucks. Yeah. Right. Like, and that's the difference between this. And I can't, I'm not like trying to compare it to Avatar 2. Yeah. But like Avatar 2, you knew where things were, yeah. where you were within the world. And that's why the world building in that movie is so good. Yeah. Right? The world, the world building in the quantum zone is just not like, it's not there. It, it's, it's really not there. You can't, like, you have an idea of scale. I think they do pretty good with that because it's very important for this movie, obviously. Yeah. Right. Um, so there's a good sense of scale with thing. Like you can tell when something's like massive and and when something's not. But like at one point you'll see like um Kang the Conqueror, the the main villain, like has like a whole like civilization essentially. And you see it just go up the walls for like as far as the eye can see, and you're like, Well, where the hell are <laughs> all the, are all of the people <laughs> coming from? Because they're like in like villages or something, and you're like where and you're like, you all go? I can see is like city, <laughs> yeah. like made of metal in the quantum zone for some reason. Exactly. Like it's, there is the space um, and like mapping out of all the stuff in the quantum zone, I think is actually really kind of crap if I'm being honest. Yeah. And that's, I mean, it's something because they were just focused, unfortunately, on other things. Yeah. And I think that's the main downfall of this movie is going to be like basically them trying to set up a million things. Yeah. And that's the worst part. It is the worst part. Like this, that's the, like the other reason that this movie feels just so like mid is because this entire movie is set up for Kang the Conqueror. And, you know, we never, and I'm not trying to compare this to phase one. Yeah. But we didn't have a Thanos setup movie. No. Yeah, exactly. If we had one, it was Infinity War and it was awesome. Yeah, it was the shit. Like, they like, but they very clearly were like, no, this is the Thanos like bit. Exactly. Like, this is, yeah. Um, it seriously, like, there, I can't think of another MCU movie that is like this much clearly set up. Like, even when they are rat, like, kind of spoiler, but like, yeah. even when they're wrapping it up, they're still like, we're setting up something. They're still like, is Kang the Conqueror like, is Kang the Conqueror going to be like the next villain essentially? Like, <laughs> yeah. Like, essentially that's, that. that's, that's pretty much like the final bit. Like there, it actually completely screws the conclusion because you're waiting for something to happen and then they're like, nope, all good. Yeah. And you're like, what the hell? Yeah. Like, yeah this is... And that's yeah. the difference, right? If we think back to Infinity War, the end of that movie is depressing as shit. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. And we knew that some things had to come further because they ended it in a way that asked a lot of questions, but in a good way. Yeah. Right? Yeah, totally. Like, what is going to happen to these characters? Where did all of them go? Are they going to come back? Who knows? We knew they were going to come back, but we didn't know how, right? Yeah. And yeah, that, was, that was a cool thing. In this, in this case, it just wasn't it. And even when Age of Ultron came out, which is a very setup movie. Yeah, it's very Really setup. big setup movie. Yeah. I didn't feel it as much 
as that one as I do in this one. No, I totally agree. Like, even, like, again, spoiler, like, both the after credit scenes are very much are set just, up. Are more set up. Like, it is, it is such a movie that's dedicated to one thing. And it's like, it sucks because it's like these, like, these actors and these characters, like, they're just kind of getting used. Yeah, they're like chess pieces. <laughs> Entirely, like, as, as chess pieces, yeah. They, like, they are literally just pawns. Like, they are yeah. there to set up the bigger thing the bigger that's coming thing behind. That's coming them. in a couple, like, next year. Yeah. And, you know, Marvel's done this before, but it just sucks because, like, I could tell that there were some elements of this movie that I would have loved to see. Yeah. But, like, in an actually engaging story. I know. Yeah. Uh, again, uh, even in M other MCU movies, I think they do it better. Like, people forget that, like, the first Guardians is also the movie that set up all of the Infinity Stones. Yeah. And that would become such a huge MCU thing. Yet it stands on its own. Yeah. Right? It completely, and, like, that's, like, honestly, like, one of the fifth things that you think of when you think of that movie. Yeah. Like, you yeah. think about, like, the stupid dance battle at the end. You think about the soundtrack. You think yeah. about, right? Just, like, just the characters generally. Characters. Like, yeah. Yeah. It is. It, this movie it was unfortunately just completely became set up. Um, and that's, I think, why another reason why people are really just kind of dogging on this movie. Yeah. Um, and but, I don't think that it's the worst MCU movie. And I think we've said that. Yeah. And it, it's not the worst thing out there. But it's definitely like C-tier Marvel. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty like mid. Yeah. Rip Peyton Reed, who just has made nothing but kind of He's made nothing but Ant-Man movies. <laughs> <laughs> nothing but Ant-Man movies that have never been anything special. Yeah. Unfortunate. Yeah. And I mean, like, the performances of this movie, everyone's talking about Jonathan Majors as Kang. Yeah. And look, I've seen a lot of people be like, this is the reason to go see the movie. I don't know if it's <laughs> not. Honestly, okay. Okay. This is our I hot also, take. Like, I think we both as, agree. We just got back from the theater and like as I was driving back, I was listening to re a review of it and I was and they were like, Jonathan Bajor sells it. Like every time that he's on screen, you were like engaged with what he's saying. I'm like <laughs> I'm engaged in the sense that like the movie wants me to be engaged with what yeah. he's doing and he is the one driving the narrative forward. Especially from the setup from Loki for spoilers yeah. for Loki, but I mean, yeah. he's in it. Yeah. Like I like I honestly thought in Loki he was a much more dynamic performance. Mm -hmm. Um I, and that could just be the writing, that could be like a variant thing cuz they have like all these variants of the um of the Kang the Conqueror um, that are going around. Yeah. But like this, this performance, I thought like for almost, I would say like about halfway through the second act, he gets a little, I don't know, he comes into the, in the third act, I guess then. Just yeah, the basically third act. the third ba act. Basically just the third act because he's not in the first act. He's in the second act and the third. So in the second act, like I think he's so like one note. He's just like trying to be like, very measured and like talk quietly and it's kind of just that like it's not a dynamic performance no. that like captures you in any way and i'm okay with like more subtle performances i've really liked a lot of subtle performances and i've said yeah. it in the past but this is there's a difference between subtle and like speaking in the same tone and with a really weird dialect even josh brolin as thanos yeah right like josh brolin as thanos in all of it, almost all of Infinity War was like fairly like similar. Yeah. Like he never needed to rise to that bigger level because nothing was intimidating him. And you just kind of got that. Yeah. Like 
and just, that was even a mocap performance yet you could yeah. still feel it right through his tone yeah like like when he there's like so many moments of it where like he just doesn't need to do much to be so intimidating um and that same energy is just not coming off Jonathan Majors um, right now right least. now right now right now um and that's partly because like that movie also opens up with like Thanos like killing like I'm Dolan beating Thor's ass and like shit. Yeah. But, and like, but like, that's just a good introduction. We never got that for Kang in this. Like you, we, I have no, I couldn't, after watching this movie, I still couldn't really give you a definition of like, his like power level or something. Mm-hmm. Right. And MCU sh- people love that. Like <laughs> they do. They love yeah. talking about like, oh, who like Thanos beat uh, Kang. Like people love talking about that. <laughs> people love that crap. They do. That's it. That's going to be an argument in like a year. <laughs> oh my God. It definitely is. But like, yeah, no. So like, that's, that's what I'm saying is like that we have no context to be afraid of this guy and they're acting like we're supposed to be. And it's like, I, this is just the MCU, like doing MCU stuff again. Basically. Yeah. And it's like in the worst way possible. So I feel like we're going back to this point in the MCU where we're like getting yeah. these really weird B tier kind of villains you know what i mean yeah and i want look i want king to be good jonathan majors big fan of that guy big Mm -hmm. fan of that guy i think he's headed a lot of big places considering the roles that he's taking i heard that he was in a really really good movie coming out of sundance that he was really good in so like you know nothing but the best for him yeah but it's like i want to see better writing of the villain i want to see just like him in more interesting situations right yeah i know so, well, I mean, in the third act, I think he definitely steps it up. In the third act, he becomes the best performance in the movie. Yeah. Like, honestly. <laughs> but that's not. <laughs> that's tough. <laughs> Which is a little tough. Everyone else is, like, kind of asleep. Yeah. Like, uh, Paul Rudd is Paul Rudd. But you don't get to see much of him because he's trying to do, like, serious stuff sometimes. Yeah. And I'm really sorry, Paul Rudd. Yeah, no. I'm really sorry. But I the I think the only actor here who looked like they were having genuine fun was uh Michael Douglas. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, Michael Douglas actually had such a great time. Yes, he did. <laughs> like, and I love him. We saw this movie, we literally just saw it. Like an hour <laughs> oh ago. yeah, we just came back. <laughs> we just came back. Like, um and in the theater, <laughs> every time <laughs> Michael Douglas talks about his love for ants. <laughs> Both of us were just dying. I think we were the only ones in the theater that were like crying laughing almost. There's a part where we were actually like full on tears laughing. (laughs) When he was talking about about ants. Dude, it's so funny. We'll get to that in the spoilers. We'll talk about his spoilers. But oh my God. Honestly, this movie would have been a lot better. We, I said this. I said, if it was just two hours, Michael Douglas <laughs> talking about ants, I would I would have been there for it. I love how excited. He's like a kid with his terrarium, but in his 70s. I love it so much. It's so, no, it's literally exactly like that. I love it so damn much. Look, if there oh. were, if like what I want in Avengers, the King Dynasty or whatever it's called is I just want like, a hundred million ants to come in and then be like, and Michael Douglas is like, I heard you can't do it yourself. <laughs> something like that. If that happens, I will say it's my favorite movie of all time. <laughs> I'll say it's better than anything I've seen. Okay, look, the ant power level in this, honestly, honestly, like if the Avengers in freaking, like you can, 
you can destroy all of Thanos' armies with ants. Yep. <laughs> like, that's like the ant power level in They this. didn't need Captain Marvel. They just needed more ants. They that's just needed need more ants. You have the ants go into the Infinity Gauntlet and then tickle his fingers. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's talking about that th- that Ant-Man theory where they go up his uh his ass. His ass and then explode him, which we saw in the boys, which was hilarious. Yeah, I know. That's what I thought about when I saw <laughs> <Yeah>. him. <laughs> but <laughs> we need the ant theory. Oh my god. Yeah. Honestly, the ants were like the best part of this movie. Oh, the ants. People were- are talking about Jonathan Majors, the best part. The it's ants, the ants. The ants were every time the, the ants part. were on screen, like, and maybe it's just because we're jaded people who have seen too many bad MCU movies. <laughs> there have been a lot of really bad MCU movies recently, but like the ants are like the one unique thing, and it's the same. It's the same thing with the goats from uh, Thor: uh, Love and Thunder. <laughs> yeah, or like there's like this one element that we find so it's funny. so funny, <laughs> like hilarious yeah uh but otherwise i mean the other performances are really bleh i mean the girl who plays cassie lang i'm really sorry she's 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 just not good she's not like she's not the worst but she's not she's not great she's not great evangeline lily is uh, michelle pfeiffer could give two shits you michelle and and evangeline lily never has anything to do in these movies and that sucks for her but like she's also anti-vax rip (sighs) <laughs> um, but like Michelle Pfeiffer, who is a great actress, amazing actress. Oh my god, she does not care. Sleepwalking, <laughs> she just does not care. She took that paycheck. However, no one, no took one the paycheck more. And here's the thing: this is the there award. We could have given the there award to a lot of people in this movie. That is so true. But there is no one who deserves it more than. Bill Murray. Murray. Bill Murray is Bill the Murray award. wins the There Award for, oh my for God. Ant-Man Quantumania. I bet they've been trying to get Bill Murray in the MCU for so long. And then this time he was like... He was like, just kill me off quick. It can't even be off screen. <laughs> yeah. And it was off screen. <laughs> That's a spoiler. <laughs> That's a spoiler. Sorry. Oh my God. Sorry, but I don't. B- Bill, like Murray, Bill Murray, Bill Murray would, is there. I'm sure Bill Murray would tell you that he died. Yeah. <laughs> Bill Murray's like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm not there anymore. Yeah. <laughs> like Bill Murray, I have never, I don't think I've ever seen an actor sleepwalk through lines more than Bill Murray in this movie. He is objectively horrible in <laughs> like, this movie. It's really funny how bad he is. It's not good. Like he, he's not even making eye contact. Like, like he's looking <laughs> off to the side half the time. <laughs> And I don't think I've seen more of a phoned-in performance since uh, Michael Keaton in Morbius. I'm serious. I really think that that was the last time I've seen a performance yeah. this phoned-in. Uh, Which honestly might be, might make it my, one of my favorite MCU performances ever. <laughs> because like I've never seen anyone have so much contempt for the MCU in a performance. <laughs> that would be like if Martin Scorsese has, has to be placed <laughs> If Martin Scorsese was in a Marvel movie, what if Martin Scorsese was one of the Kang variants? (laughs) 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 It's so funny. I love it. Like, no, that's essentially what's like Bill Murray, the guy who like only works with Wes Anderson these days. Yeah, pretty much. It's just like, yeah, I'm in the Marvel movie. (laughs) They pay me so well, dude. He was like, yeah, I needed it. I did Ghostbusters, had a good time. Ghostbusters, he gave a shit. Yeah, I know, because that's like, he actually did give a shit. Like, he yeah. gave a shit. This one, 
No. Oh my God. No. What if Paul Rudd on the set of Ghostbusters was like, please, could you do the new Ant-Man movie? <laughs> I don't know. I hope someone got him. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, we're going to jump into spoilers, I think. Yeah. Uh, but <laughs> overall, I mean, if you want to see an MCU movie, go see it. Yeah. It's, it's like I said, it's not bad. If you want to go literally to make fun of the ants, not make fun of the ants, but like, Worship the ants. Yeah, I agree. That's that. It's a great time. I would go see it. Don't see it alone. I would see it with someone else. This is not. Yeah, a, like, this a, is not one of those movies that. Yeah. Yeah. See it with a friend. I think I had a good time seeing it. Yeah, I had a good time. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but we're gonna get into spoilers now. Uh, there's one person who we've left out in terms of talking about a character, mm-hmm. and that's Modok. Oh uh, yeah. That guy. Look. Who is okay? So Modok, yeah. He, if you've seen it, you know who it is. It's uh, it's the it's Corey Stoll from House of Cards. No, yeah, I'm kidding. Uh, no, Corey Stoll is the actor, but uh, he's the guy from the first Ant Man movie who got banished to the quantum realm after a fight oh my with Ant Man. And his death actually made me laugh so hard yeah his death was pretty funny i'm not gonna lie he was like at least i got to go out as an avenger and they were all like when he was like you're like a brother to me he was like, i don't know about that <laughs> but paul rudd during that moment he was great <laughs> that was so funny like, was like actually everyone in that moment was fucking awesome <laughs> like there are parts of this movie that are genuinely Fucking amazing. It was so funny. Most of the shit with him, I actually thought it was really funny. I, I couldn't take him seriously, which... That's the point. I think that's the point. I couldn't unsee Humpty Dumpty from the first <laughs> Puss in Boost movie. Like, that's all I saw. That's pretty much what it is. <laughs> that's what he looked like, and I couldn't get over it. It's just like a giant square face that's, like, squished into a thing. And, like, at one point, you see his little child butt. Yeah. It's super funny. Like it was like a combination of him and George Lopez from uh, from Shark Boy. <laughs> <Shark Boy. laughs> You're right. <laughs> that was like all I could see in this uh, movie. It was so weird and awesome. I loved it so much. I loved it specifically because I'm like, this is the most anti Marvel weird thing yeah. ever. And I'm like, this is. I love it so much. Yeah, actually, I felt similarly to that that I did to like. A little bit the goats, a little bit the goats in yeah. Thor, yeah, yeah. but also like all of the weird horror elements in Doctor Strange were like, those kind were of. like really odd to have in a Marvel movie. Yeah. They were like really odd to have, but they made it like so unique and mm-hmm. good and I really liked it. And I've seen a lot of people not like this. The Modi? D- yeah. I, I've seen a lot of people be like, he's the worst part of the movie. <laughs> I thought he was pretty funny. I'm not honestly. He's just there to be like a comically stupid villain. Yeah, and he like he serves that 100. percent Yeah, like it's awesome. Yeah, especially with them trying to make Kang so serious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. You needed something to kind of undercut that, and I don't think it like fully. It doesn't fully work. But no. Like, but but the death scene was hilarious so funny it was so, so funny. funny oh my god that was funny as hell yeah. oh yeah okay <laughs> let's talk about the scene that made us actually cry like yeah. we both were crying <laughs> and which was the reveal oh, of the ants like like michael douglas gets caught by modok right and gets the ship and then you just see a shadow and it's like you can see the ant we're like 
yes, yes, yes. I was, and I immediately like, <laughs> I immediately <laughs> said to Keisha, I was like, if the ants are the ones to defeat Kang the Conqueror, I swore. <laughs> And then when the ants go to save Ant-Man and the Wasp, <laughs> and then they give the whole my, Michael Douglas, and first of all, it had to be Michael Douglas. It had to be Michael where Douglas. Where it gives like the exposition of how they even did oh it. Usually God. these scenes are shit, but this one was, was the best thing that amazing. ever happened. No one else in our theater was laughing like we were. And it was, we were just trying to stay quiet because <laughs> it was so, he was like, he was like, it was the ants. Yeah. <laughs> they went through time and space yeah. and gained the knowledge of a thousand lifetimes. <laughs> and I'm like, this is what we needed. <laughs> yes. But this is where like, it's so absurd. Like the way that, that <laughs> so Corey nice. Stoll's character is where it's like so stupid. It's so <laughs> dumb. Like ants living a million lifetimes and just developing technology. That's so stupid. It's so, so good. It's so funny. And like, I, I just ants, could not. The ants have like developed into like a higher civilization than humans have ever came close to. It's so and funny. And it's so awesome. It's so great. It's like, and then at the end, it's not like they're fighting with any like of these things. They're literally, well, no, at one point he's like, the ants rebuilt my ship. <laughs> <laughs> And he's like, just like swarm. They yeah. just do ant stuff, but slightly bigger. Like ants are like <laughs> the only thing that would have made this better if the ants made a sky beam at the end of the movie. <laughs> that would have made this the best thing ever. <laughs> I want there to be like I want the, the, the ants. To, I want to know like the ant religion. <laughs> like I want like a fully fleshed out ant society. Oh my god, and we didn't talk about this. They mentioned the ants are socialists. <laughs> <laughs> they did this. He said he said some might call it socialists. <laughs> the ants he's like they share everything among themselves. It's they're so like some people get scared when they say socialist. <laughs> I think they're smart. And I was like, yeah, <laughs> let's oh go god. ants. <laughs> It's so fucking awesome. <laughs> oh, I have I don't I have it's been a while since I've laughed that hard in a movie. Like and it has to be something like that. Like it can like in a movie that's trying to make me laugh. Like I am it's going to take a, a, like something really freaking funny to make yeah. me laugh like that. Yeah. In a movie that takes itself semi-seriously <laughs> with moments of absolute ridiculousness. Oh my god! It was oh so my good. God, it was funny as hell. It was so funny. I think that <laughs> we were like the only ones. We were laughing. the only no, but like for like a good thirty seconds, we were just like in our seats squirming. <laughs> it, was, it was awesome. It was the best thing that could have happened to this movie. <laughs> it honestly, that that whole thing with the ants might have made it so that I'm like. Just a little bit more positive than negative. I no, I actually totally agree. If this movie didn't have the ants, it would be it would, it would be as bad drop, as Eternals. It would actually drop so low on my list. Like the ants are the funniest thing. They're so funny. They're so and good. 
Like, they're so good. And Michael Douglas's love for them is so funny. It's just, it's so genuine. It's you can- so genuine. It's so genuine. It's like, I fully believe that, like, Michael Douglas actually loves ants. If he could marry ants, then he would. Like, like- that's how, like, it, it's so amazing. It's actually, like, one of the most amazing things in the entire MCU is Michael Douglas and, and is Michael Douglas and ants. I love it's it. so good. So much. So, honestly... Like Ooh. if we had a spinoff show, oh my god, of like Michael Douglas and the ants, that's that's the Disney Plus show we need. Oh my god, yes, that that's what we I need. would love. Like even if it, I would love like a Nat Geo thing of just Michael Douglas and ants. Like and I ants. don't care, I will watch it. You'd watch it because you'd be like, now this is the interesting thing about the ants. They're lifting something for a purpose. They're pretty smart. I can just <laughs> tell that. Like it would just be him like rambling for an hour and be uh. like. All right, that's it for today. <laughs> oh my god, that'd be awesome! Okay. I want Michael, like I want Michael Douglas to have a podcast about ants. Like I just want Michael Douglas and ants content right now. Yeah, it's awesome. It's so great. Honestly, like I said, if you're like a fan of the MCU and you've seen all these bad things, I honestly think it might be worth it just to see Michael Douglas talk about ants for like a solid, probably two minutes of the film. <laughs> yeah, but it's. It's really great. It's so funny though. He's like, I kept getting signals down here. And I was wondering what it was. Then I knew it was the ants <laughs> traveling through time and space. Also the part when like Ant-Man and the the Wasp are like, it's too many of them. And then we saw something like break through. Oh yeah. We were like, it has to be the ants. But then it wasn't yeah. the ants. And then we were like, if the ants don't show up, I'm going to be so mad. Yeah, I know. But then, then they, they did. did show up. They did, and they turned the tide of the battle. It was know? literally because of the ants. Yes. If the ants didn't happen. Mm-hmm. And, they sh- and then he shows up late, and he's like, sorry, ants. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's just, uh, okay, can we also talk about how before this movie even started, I called what the opening was going <laughs> Yeah, you did. You're I right. actually fucking called it. Like, there's a little like teaser of like when like Kang arrives that I didn't call. But then I was like, this movie's gonna start out with him being like, "Hi, I'm your local superhero." Like, <laughs> just like narration over him doing normal ass things. And it, I that was, was exactly what I happened. was so on the money. Like, it's not even funny. I was literally so on the money. It was so awesome. I loved it. Oh my god! Yeah, yeah. That was that was maybe one of my most satisfying movie going experiences. And why I'm like, this is where Marvel is, is right now. This is exactly what's going to happen. Oh but then they ended it that way. And like on a more serious note, I just it didn't work. It was no, it so didn't. abrupt. It didn't work. It was so abrupt and it's such a weird tone shift. It was such a bad ending. Like yeah. it was just like the way that it was that they like in his ending, he was like, "Wait, did I actually kill him? I don't know. I don't know." Yeah. And then he just like moves on. They go to dinner. You're just like, wait, why the fuck would you say that? It's so weird. And I just think that it might be one of the worst Marvel endings that I've seen. Yeah. Like MCU endings. Yeah. It might be the worst. Like it, it, it might be the worst. Like I can't think of an MCU ending that felt more inconclusive, unsatisfying, and less like it was wrapping up like that story than this. Like there has been nothing else like that is that bad. It was pretty ass. It was pretty bad. Yeah. Um, I don't know. There's a lot of interesting stuff. Um, 
they're like I think like the people that you meet in this movie I think are fairly funny. Yeah. They're like it is still the Marvel quippiness. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of quips. I did think the guy who read minds was pretty cool. Yeah, he's um and that's also Chi from uh the the good place. Oh my god, you're yeah. right. That is it. And he's I love that actor. I love him <laughs> so much. He's pretty great. Um yeah, he's he's really funny in this. Um he's pretty funny. There's that one girl who she's she's cool, I guess. Yeah. That's pretty much it. That's all you know. I mean, like, yeah, they like drink a goo and it's actually really funny. Yeah. <laughs> like there are parts of it that are like, that are like so strange and they work because it's Ant-Man and the film, it just never knows how to lean into that stuff in the right way. Yeah. And that's what I wish could have happened, but them wanting to make this the Kang setup movie it just ruins like a lot of that. Yeah. And I think that that is unfortunately just the yeah. downfall. That is the downfall yeah. of this movie. What makes it a C-tier movie, yeah. right? Even like the first Ant-Man knew how to do it a little better because like the final fight is like on the Thomas the Train engine. Yeah. And that's like funny and, and awesome. Exactly, like, right? It's low stakes enough, but also like, you know, it makes it seem yeah big, but it's little, right? You know? It's, yeah, yeah, yeah. It works out, right? Because that's the amount of seriousness that we're supposed to take. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately, them trying to lean into that really, really serious tone is not good. But then when they break out of it, right, and go into these really absurd moments, it's, it works really well. Exactly. Like, it needs to be... That's exactly how it needs to... It needs to be, like, the deep in, in the, in the yeah. boys. <laughs> yeah. Where, like, it's... The deep is just a parody of Aquaman. And they, yeah. like, completely lean into that. It need, They need to just lean super hard into the absurd. Like, I honestly think that, like, Take Taika Waititi off Thor, four, um, Thor number four, mm-hmm. and put him on this. It would have been like so much better because he would know how to lean into it. Yeah, he right? would lean into the really absurdness yeah. of like what Ant Man is and like what the stupid Modok guy is and what ants he, are. Right? Yeah, like, <sighs> yeah. There's a lot like there's just a lot of like little things that you can go through and pick out that aren't good. Like the more you dive in the movie, it is it is not good. It's not great, but. It's, again, it's just those, like, moments of, like, weirdness that mm-hmm. make it really fun. Yeah. And and I think that definitely, like, similar to, I'm not saying that they're the same movie, but similar to Doctor Strange 2, I thought that those were the best parts yeah. of that movie. Where, like, when they leaned into what Sam Raimi does best, right? Which yeah, is the exactly. horror elements in these really weird kind of... Yeah. you know, scariness and that sort of thing. And these really graphic and subverting expectations of that sort of thing. That's when it struggled or did well. And then it struggled whenever it tried to dive into what the multiverse was and these bigger storylines that are trying to set up. And yeah. I just hope that there's a good payoff because, you know. Like, I think there's only been like, only like the Russos have really shown themselves to be able to do like Marvel, like movies the way that Marvel wants them to be done. Mm-hmm. And do it in a real good way. Yeah. Like, I think it's pretty much just the Russos. And also, but that works because they're doing it with, like, more boring characters. No offense, yeah. Captain America, right? But Sorry, like, Cap. Cap, <laughs> Cap is not interesting. Uh, Cap, Cap is, is like, the most bread and butter. Like, pretty much. Of, like, all the MCU heroes. But they, like, knew how to, how to do that well. Um, and for the rest of them, it's all about their like the unique qualities of these heroes that like they need to lean into to really diversify themselves. That's why people love um, Thor Ragnarok so much. Yeah. Right. Like you, if you lean into like the weirdness 
it's just going to be better. But instead, Marvel just wants to sanitize and like quip and make everything the same. And it sucks. Yeah. And it's just really sad because we've seen glimpses, I feel like, in so many of these movies. Thor is diff. Thor 4 was different. But I like, I'll take Black Panther, for example, right? Black Panther was a movie that we both enjoyed, right? Yeah. Whenever it wasn't trying to set up another movie, mm-hmm. it was really great. Yeah. Because again, they're leaning into that unique quality of Black Panther having a more serious tone, having more stakes, having mm-hmm. these more intricate and mature storylines is what they leaned into yeah. in those movies. Right? Talking and like talking about issues that are like actually important, like for those populations, you know? Yeah. Like stuff like that is just like it's the representation is like its own kind of like part of that movie and they leaned into it. Exactly. And it's the least tokenized that you could have representation. Mm-hmm. Like that, right? Yeah. When we talk about Doctor Strange 2, those were the best parts of the movie that I explained earlier, right? When we talk about Spider-Man No Way Home, the reason why that movie was so successful was because it leaned into the Spider-Man stuff that people really liked, which had nothing to do with the MCU. Yeah, like like it it actually did like the Spider-Man pointing to each other meme. Like it just like it leans into that like fandom and that uniqueness of the character and like uh, the specific kind of quippiness of Peter Parker and like the teenage high schoolness yeah. and like all that stuff right like though that is like it's it's at the heart of why like every shitty Marvel movie is the way it is yeah. it really is when it's we like, think about the shittiest ones that's always what it is yeah. that's always the major downfall we think about Doctor Strange 1 we think about Iron Man 2 we Thor think about 1, Thor t- and one. 2 you know, those movies were all setting up a million other things and had nothing else going for yeah. it. Although Thor 4 arguably leaned into it too much. Too much, yeah. Yeah. Rip. <laughs> <laughs> Rip. <laughs> so. But that's the one time that that happened. Yeah. The one time. Everything, every other time when they took a risk, it usually did pretty well. Guardians. Guardians of the Galaxy is the biggest example of that. Thor Ragnarok is another really big example of that. Yeah. You know? It's just sad. Yeah. Um, Bring, I, make Marvel great again. <laughs> oh, I don't know. I really, I've been a known defender of the MCU that you don't like about yeah. me, but I've just been soured. A I've lot. been soured for a while, as you know. I don't know. The only. Um, hey, Infinity War was really good. Infinity War, Infinity War is to me the best MCU movie. It's, um, I, I think I agree with you for sure. Yeah. Um, it's just like really, I, I could go and I think that's like just a really ba- banger action movie in general. Yeah. Um, and also, it takes all of the best parts of what the MCU has to offer. Yeah. And like all the benefits of having it and puts it all in one movie. Yeah. In like a really incredibly like well put together way. Yeah. Um, yeah. But uh, no, I've, I think the only MCU movie I'm really going to get up for at this point is going to be like, in the next Avengers, whenever that is. I think that's next year. Yeah, that's the only one I'm actually going to be like genuinely excited about. Like, other, yeah. like until then, like, I... We have Guardians 3. They're all going to be just so mid. Yeah. Like, there's nothing to care about. Prove us wrong. Do something interesting. <laughs> they're not. They're not going not to. Gonna happen. Hey, Spider-Verse comes out this year. Another, the new one. That doesn't count. I That's know it doesn't count. MCU movie. It's not an MCU movie, I know, but hey, that one's coming out. I'm excited for that one. Mm. It'll be good. Anyway, our big question for this movie. Is Ant-Man the worst MCU trilogy? Look, 
it's I think that mm. it's kind of weird because a lot of the trilogies, I think there's a clear best trilogy. Don't count the Avengers movies. Because the Avengers movies don't count. Was it cap? <clears throat> I think it's cap for sure. I think Captain America two and three are pretty incredible. There's not like the MCU doesn't have a single trilogy that's like perfect. No, no. Right. Like, but I think there's one that's definitely the best. It's probably Captain America. And it's Captain America. Uh yeah. Like Iron Man is really good. Iron Man 2 sucks, and Iron Man 3 is underrated. Whoa. Whoa. You like Shane Black? I do like Shane Black. Yeah. Well, <laughs> it's it's underrated, but also the villain sucks. The villain is just syndrome, but worse. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, straight up. Shit. <laughs> that's literally it. Um, but, I mean, the thing is, that's the thing Iron Man... I don't think Iron Man's the worst, because I think the first Iron Man... I, the first Iron Man's amazing. Really, really great. You the know? first Iron Man is like... In if it's not in your top five of MCU movies, I kind of don't respect your opinion. Yeah, it's <laughs> like, I mean it's really good. It's really good, and I would say it's probably one of the most. I think I would say it's in the top ten most influential movies of the twenty first century. Yeah, I, I would totally sure. agree. Um, but the other two, okay, Thor is weird because there's a fourth one now, right? Thor. Okay, if we look at the thing about Thor, right, is it's like it just has one good movie. It that has one, one movie. good movie is like a top five Marvel movie. Exactly. It might be like my second or third favorite. It's probably, and just like a pure entertainment basis, is probably the most entertaining Marvel movie. Absolutely. It has Jeff Goldblum in it. It has Jeff Goldblum. <laughs> Anything with Jeff Goldblum wins. Oh, yeah. God. He's so great. Except Jeff for Goldblum. Jurassic World 3. Oh, no, no, even in that, even he's that the movie. best. Even that movie, he's still the best. He's like, he's like, mm, what? I'm trying to think. He's like trying to think of the code. He's like, mm, 1924 is <laughs> Miles Davis's birthday. <laughs> like, it's so great. I love him. He's so great. But um, Thor 3 is really, really good. That's the thing. But the other ones are all not good. They're all pretty ass. They're actually. all pretty. pretty the first not one good. is like above the other two. And the first one's not that it's good. It's not even that good. In fact, it's pretty. I would say the other three are just bad. I, I'm going to straight up say yeah, that. Yeah. I, I think the other three I'm, are bad. But the Ant Man movies, all of them have been like very mid. Like. All of them, at least, like, Thor 4 was memorable. Yeah. You know? It it was memorable. It had Christian Bale in it. Yeah. And he was good in the parts that he was v in. There were some visually stunning parts. That black and white scene in that movie was, was really great. Like, insane. Um, like, I don't know. I can't. Although Thor 1 and 2 are, like, arguably the most forgettable. Yeah. But like, I don't know, Ant-Man 2, I can't even tell you a thing about that. I don't even remember the villain's name, I'm I gonna be honest. I literally couldn't tell. I just remember there was someone who like phased through walls. Yeah, that was pretty much it. I remember that. And, and then, then there like, was there Michelle Pfeiffer comes back. Michelle Pfeiffer's there and there's a bus at some point. Oh, it's called Ant-Man and the Wasp. I just remember the name. <laughs> I could not tell you the villain's name though. There's like four villains and I could not Lawrence tell you Lawrence Fishburne's in it. You're right. He is. For yeah. a little bit. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, I, I take it that might be the most forgettable MCU movie, actually. Exactly. Uh, Dude. Yeah, you're right. I think you're right. Like, seriously, that might be. The stakes are really low, and it happened right after Infinity War, too. Oh, that's tough. So you're like... That's tough. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know. I, I still think <laughs> Thor, overall, you have to say is... Well, I don't know. Dude, I this think is a hard I think question. I know it's just between those two, really, right? Because it's like Guardians is great. Like I think both 
I think Guardians 2 is actually like genuinely underrated. What? Oh. Dude, people don't like Guardians 2 that much. I'm not a big fan of that movie. I'm going to be honest. You should give it a rewatch. It's actually I gave it not, a rewatch last year. It's not that bad. I don't think it's that bad. I think the last act of that movie is like someone tripped balls and then like yeah it's great played pac-man and was yeah, like it's, yeah let's it's do all, it. it's pretty great okay I can't, also has a like it also has a really good soundtrack the so. soundtrack for that movie is really great it opens with mr blue sky which it is op- like like it opens with Mr. oh it has like i think that the opening for that movie is better than the first one i would mm-hmm. i would say that for sure yeah i think that the opening for that movie is incredible. i'm not saying it's better than the first one it's not better than the first one i'm no. just saying like like comparatively, like some people want to put it in the same realm as like Iron Man 2. It's no, not even close. No, like it no. is it is definitely on the higher tier of Marvel movies. Yeah. Um I think it's better than Oh yeah, we're just talking about MCU, but like anyway. Um, but yeah. I think that Guardians great. Guardian, it's a great franchise. Guardians great franchise. Captain America, great franchise. Iron Man, good first movie. Um, <laughs> but the first movie, you know, similar. But the the other two movies are not nearly as bad. I don't know. Iron Man 2, at least. Look, nothing in the Iron Man series is as bad as anything as Thor, the Dark World, and especially yeah. Thor, Love, and Thunder. Like, yeah. Thor, the Dark World, and Thor, Love, and Thunder are worse than any movie in the Iron Man franchise. Yeah, like, absolutely. Yeah. Like, even though Ant-Man and the Wasp is forgettable as hell, I don't remember there being, like, genuine huge problems with it. It was just, like, a very forgettable-ass movie. Yeah. Like, Thor, the Dark World is... Still so bad. It's the worst MCU movie. I am. Uh, is it that or Eternals? Oh, God. Oh. I still think it's Thor 2. It might be Thor 2 still. I don't know. Yeah, that's a tough one. That's but a like, tough one. It's not. Yeah. So, <sighs> I don't know. Yeah. I don't think it's the worst on as a whole. I think the Thor movies are just more volatile. Yeah, they are. But, but like, it is by far the most So here's the thing. I still would say Thor is worse because yeah. even though I will say that Thor 4 is memorable and that a lot of the Ant-Man movies are forgettable, Thor 2 is incredibly forgettable. Yeah, I agree. Like, really forgettable. Yeah. I only know the plot points in the movie because I rewatch it multiple times a year. <laughs> <laughs> for the Thor the Dark World drinking game yeah, yes I've actually rewatched that I've actually seen that movie like three or four times that's crazy <laughs> like I'm that's not insane. kidding I've seen it like three or four times because it's like I'm like this. I shit on this movie so much not to watch it yeah <laughs> dude I know Malekith literally just for the meme yeah I know Malekith literally for the sake that he's a forgettable villain yeah, like I, know. I don't I'm like, I do you remember? I just, that's my fun fact for, about the MCU. I'm like, do you remember who Malekith is? <laughs> You're like, I bet I'm a better film. I have more film knowledge than you. Can you tell me who Malekith is? That's my MCU is? fun fact, yeah. <laughs> if I were making like a, if I were making like a trivia game. MCU trivia, yeah. Yeah, an MCU, I would just be like, name me the Thor of the Dark World film. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, what? No. But Ant-Man is without a doubt the most forgettable yes. enti- MCU franchise. It is definitely forgettable, but I don't think it's the worst. Yeah, I agree. I think that Thor still is worse, even though Thor 3 is yeah. really, really good. Which sucks, because I like Paul Rudd. Yeah. You know, his, and, and all of his tacos got destroyed in, 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 in Endgame. Yeah. Well, you know, we thought that the best movie to pair with the Marvel movie <laughs> uh, was Taxi Driver. <laughs> 
a Scorsese movie. Uh, Do you know how bad the posters are in this are going to look together? On it's going to be so funny. You're it's just going to see Robert De Niro with the mohawk and then Ant-Man <laughs> on the other side. Dude, and like the Ant-Man one is going to be like so saturated and this could be like a 70s poster. Yeah, <laughs> like, it's like the it's like the yellow and uh, yeah. black, you know, anyway. Yeah. Uh, so when we were discussing what movie to talk about, we couldn't really think of another one. Uh, so we decided that we're finally going to do something that we've been talking about for a while. Yeah. Which is uh, talk about uh, a lot of Martin Scorsese's films because his new movie, Killers of the Flower Moon, is coming out this year. It was supposed to come out last year. Uh, and it's starring, you know, famed uh, boyfriend of a 19-year-old Leonardo DiCaprio. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Aya. Uh, and, uh, you know, he said he doesn't like that criticism. Really? Yeah. Good, good for him. I'm still going to do it. And I'm like, you know, dude, there's an easy way to fix that. <laughs> Is to just date someone who's just... just even right. 10 years older. Even 10 years older would be better. It's like 29, dude. Please. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. someone someone said this on TikTok that I thought was hilarious. It was like that girl probably watched um <laughs> that girl probably watched the Baz Luhrmann's Romeo and Juliet in her in oh her my high school god. class. Which is so oh funny my to me. God, that's so true. <laughs> Cause we did. Yep. Yep. Baz Luhrmann, your favorite person. My favorite. Yeah. Anyway, so we were like, we should watch. We should start our watch through of Scorsese movies. So whenever there's a week where we don't know what to pair it with something, we're probably just going to put on a Scorsese movie. Scorsese, yeah. So, uh, you know, we're not going to do every single one of them. No, we're just going to do the hits. We're just going to do the hits. We're going to do his most famous movies uh, for sure. But we're going to start out with Taxi Driver. Not his first film. (laughs) One of his first films. Kind of his first... His first, like, breakout film, um, really, in, like, the... uh, um, that got him like studio acclaim, right? Yeah. Like he had like the respect of his peers for like a long time before this, but like this is the movie that got him, you know, the budget from studios. Yeah. And this is this is the one that exactly similar to what you said, he wouldn't have been able to make things like Raging Bull. He wouldn't have made a, been able to make things like Goodfellas. Yeah. Because those movies were very expensive, right? Yeah, yeah. This one is definitely a lot smaller. You can tell it's a lot, a lot smaller. Um but you know, it's still yeah. an important movie. And like out. that being said, like just to kind of get into the movie here, I thought, I mean, I I did like two classes or so that kind of looked at the seventies period. Mm-hmm. Um, and one class specifically that was on New Hollywood era. Um, and he is like coming direct out of that, right? Like yeah. this era of of um of filmmaking in like the late sixties through the seventies into the early eighties. It's called the New Hollywood Era, and it's because there are all these directors who started finally going to college and yeah. learning filmmaking. Um, it wasn't just seen as a niche hobby anymore. Yeah. It was like there's actual like academic institutions that are yeah. dedicated to this art form. And, and you and- pair that with like things like the French New Wave and people really, really just starting to dive into like what is the craft you know, people and, starting to analyze like John Ford movies and stuff like that. And this is when auteur theory was at like its peak. Yeah. Right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, tour was theory. it at its peak though? Um, I would say now it's pretty. No, now it's in its peak academically. This is this is when auteur theory like was first starting out. This is yeah. This is when like pa- this is like 
back when like Pauline Kael and like freaking Roger Ebert were having like their debates and opinion sections of like movie columns. You're right. Yeah. Like this is because technically, I mean, Taxi Driver wasn't written by Scorsese. He doesn't have screenwriting credits. It was Paul Schrader who did. Yeah. So, oh my God. Paul Schrader is an amazing writer. He's really great. Paul Schrader is like, people don't know Paul Schrader. Oh my God. Um, he is a cool guy and he has written so many great movies a lot of them for scorsese he wrote raging bull he wrote last temptation of christ yeah you know he's done a lot he wrote first reformed which was his like yeah that was i think he directed that too he directed it too i think so i thought that was Uh, a directorial yeah he did you're right yeah yeah you're right he did so um no uh paul schrader is a pretty freaking fantastic writer but anyway um around this time um, the style of filmmaking that fil- that Scorsese's doing here um, was like the most common. You know, mm-hmm. I've seen a lot of movies that are very similar budgets, and like they just got handheld cameras, and they were like, "What if I just like flash some neon lights through like some rain on a windshield, mm-hmm. and put it in a movie, <laughs> and like and they just like do it?" And it's just like it, there's a lot of stuff that's just like experimenting with like form and things like that. Um, and it makes for like a really dynamic, interesting movie, and one that like it, it's almost unsettling from Scorsese, someone who feels like they have such a keen sense of style, and like someone that has all of these elements so pared down all the time, and yet there's so much going on here. This is a really complex movie yeah. for how simple the storyline is. I think I. Agree. I 100% agree. Yeah. There's a lot going on with this one with the really nuanced performance from Robert De Niro. Oh my. Yeah. This was like his first big role. Yeah. Was this one. And Jesus Christ, he's so good. This is, I mean, I think it's probably his second best performance. Yeah, probably. You haven't seen Raging Bull, so. (laughs) Yeah. yeah, uh, After, you know, the part in Goodfellas. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> no, but like um like this is this is just an incredible performance from De Niro. Like the amount of subtlety and the amount of character that he's getting through at all points is insane. Um it's such a perfect portrait of a character and it's to the point where like you watch this movie and then you if if you met De Niro on the street, you'd be like, you'd be like a little unsettled. Like yeah. that's like how insanely good he is. Um, yeah. Like yeah, and it's a really dynamic performance. I think you said that right. Um, kind of, but yeah, yeah. it is a really dynamic performance that basically has all of the parts of subtlety that you want. Like, there's a really famous scene in this movie where he's just him and he's talking to Mary. He goes. You talking to me? Yeah, yeah. You talking to me, right? That's a really famous scene from this movie. Well, like even when you know he's just driving people around, like when he first picks up the 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 congressman candidate, right? Yeah. When he first picks him up, and he like acts like he knows what he's talking about, and you can tell that he is really interested and genuinely believes what he's talking about, but also wants the approval of others, right? Yeah, and that's so hard to convey. Yeah, but you just get it. No, you fully get it's. Like, I think the magic of the performance is, like, you know this person, yet it still feels so unique. Like, you have met this person, this exact type of guy who is, like, dejected from society and wants to fit in but wants to be unique. 
like you've met this person so many times and he makes it feel so new um, and so nuanced. And it's, it's one of those like portrayals where like you can tell he, as an actor, like he really does stand behind the idea of you can't judge your characters. Yeah. Um, Cause there's not a hint of that judgment in here. There's actually like in that sense, it's actually like really empathetic um, work because he's just so engrossed in making this person feel real. And um, it's all, obviously there's a lot of moving parts here, but if De Niro wasn't in this movie, then I don't know who they would have gotten to play this character. Like, um, I, I mean, Harvey Keitel is also in the movie. Yeah. And he's good. You know, yo Harvey Keitel. Yeah. Okay, oh, yeah. uh, okay. I'm just playing 70s cast. I love, <laughs> I love Harvey Keitel. Harvey Keitel. Wow. Have you wait? Have you talked about this in a class before? This movie, Taxi Driver. No, no. Wow. The first time I saw this movie was when I watched it for a class. Okay. Um, it was a movie on new or er, class on New Hollywood, but we also looked at auteur theory. That was the main thing. And so what oh. my yeah, <laughs> what my uh, professor, who is one of my favorite professors, I had if not my favorite professor in college. Um, what he did is he teaches his class every other some every other year, I think. Um, and he picks like three directors that have a new movie that was coming out. And so I took this class in 2019. Um, and so The Irishman had just come yeah. out, and uh, he picked Scorsese as one of the auteurs to talk about with New Hollywood. And he was like, "I'm so glad that I got to talk about him because he's just so." like important for new Hollywood. It's like him and Coppola, right. Are like two people who are really important for that era. Yeah. yeah right. Yeah. And <clears throat> I think that when we talked about this movie, the other thing that was also really funny was that Joker had just come out. Too. Oh yeah. Jesus. Um, and I thought that that was so funny that we were talking about this movie at the same time that Joker had come out. Yeah. Uh, because that Joker is, they, you know, Todd Phillips has stated multiple times that Taxi Driver was one of the biggest inspirations for him mm -hmm. writing it. Yeah, I think Martin Scorsese even produced. He produced it. He did produce Joker. Yeah. <laughs> Funny. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I think what I really, really took away from us talking about it in that class was how many simple filmmaking elements there were that just lent it well as a platform for this really, really, really pointed message mm -hmm. that got through to people really hard. Yeah. And one of my favorite parts about this movie is the score, despite it being like very yeah. the same theme mm -hmm. like over and over again. It's that saxophone theme. But I could recite that saxophone theme to you right now, even if I didn't see the movie. Right? Because mm. it's so memorable. It's so memorable. And it's like very elevator music-ish, right? Yeah, but there's like something that's like slightly off. Exactly. Like it's, yeah. <laughs> Maybe it's because they repeat it so many times. I don't know. I could not tell you why it gives me that emotion. Yeah. But it just works. And I love it so much. It's Bernard Herman, I think, who did it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and it, that theme is so engrossed in my mind. I could tell you exactly what it is. Mm-hmm. So. It, uh, you're right in that like there is like there's like flashy stylistic things and parts of this movie yeah but generally it's a pretty standard like like told movie it, there's so many like just very simple techniques that have that like Scorsese has carried well into his career mm -hmm. you know of just knowing he knows like where to place a camera like in a, in a scene he knows just like what his 
editing. Holy yeah. crap. Scorsese's editing. Sometimes I forget like how just always on point he is with that. It It's one of like the things I think is the most consistent about his whole career. I have never seen a Martin Scorsese movie that's not pitch perfect editing. Especially, I mean, you look even in his later careers, one of the biggest thing, biggest movies that people talk about with Scorsese is The Wolf of Wall Street, right? Yeah, oh my God. The well, editing in that movie is like what carried it, <laughs> for being honest. Besides yeah. like, oh, there are other things too. But like the editing in that movie is underappreciated for a lot of like non-film people who watch it. Yeah. If the editing wasn't as snappy and perfect in the way that it is, it would not evoke this like drug infested world that he's yeah. created. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So like, it, it is, that movie is like two hours and 45 minutes. It would feel so damn long. Yeah. Like it would feel insane. Instead, it feels like a giant binge because mm-hmm. of the editing. And like the editing is the same in this movie. It is just so well cut together. Mm-hmm. And there are parts that are like, it's it speeds up and it's mm-hmm. unsettling. There are parts where, like, it will cut someone's, like, look for just a second and then cut back. Like, there's so much that is going to, like, both make you feel comfortable and then uncomfortable at the same time. Um, And that dichotomy is, like, so evident in the filmmaking. And, it, it, yeah, so, like, the editing in this movie is just really, really... I think it's even a class above, like, a lot of the movies that were coming out at the time. Yeah. I think it's honestly why it separates because when you see, like... When you see the camera work in some of these other movies that are coming out of the time, I don't like this is not my favorite movie of the 70s by a mile. Like, I love 70s new Hollywood movies. I think they're, I think it's the most interesting time in like The Godfather. The go- Godfather. Godfather. <laughs> the Godfather is just, Godfather is like normie shit compared to like some of the stuff in the 70s. You're a big fan of Apocalypse Now, right? Oh, I mean, he, he, uh, Apocalypse Now is like, that's in my top 10. Oh my god, that's so good. <laughs> Apocaly- no, I love Apocalypse Now. Um, because Apocalypse Now is kind of bad shit, but like yeah. uh, and it also had like a budget in the 70s, which is crazy. Yeah. Um, but like I, just like stuff like um have I ever told you about the movie Mikey and Nikki? Mm-mm. Um oh, it's it's a movie that's made by John Cassavetes, and I think I've told you about John Cassavetes yeah. before. You told me um that. yeah, Cassavetti, like he was like a huge improv dude, and like that whole movie. It's also like a um from a female director um wow. in the seventies and it's like mostly improv and it's just two dudes walking around and one dude is like basically trying to kill like his friend. Wow. Yeah. That's but good. like but like not like directly like he's trying to like tell like some mobsters where his friend is to oh. kill him. He's like walking around with him. That's crazy. It's like and it's like stylistically super weird and like they're, like I love seventies movies so much because it was just batshit a lot of the time. People, it was really experimental. Yeah. Oh my really god. Experimental so experimental time. Well, it was the first time in like in the sixties. Like that was when like cameras became. Oh, you can put them anywhere, and then people were like, "Oh shit, we can do a lot with that." Yeah. Like so. It. it yeah. Um. So I love that. I love this period. Um. This is not the best of that period. It is, from an editing standpoint. I can't think of a better cut together movie. I honestly can't. It's like the editing and Robert De Niro's performance are so amazing. Also the writing, which is like controversial. Very, very controversial. Yeah. Uh, and and like, and timely. Yeah. Um, I think that this is a timeless movie. This is one of these timeless movies that 
happens. I think that there's some parts in it that have aged really badly. I'm not, I do want to put that out there. Yeah, which we should address yeah. real quick. They say, this is the thing about Scorsese, and this is why I hate saying that he's my favorite director. But he is my favorite director, yeah, unfortunately. But it's something I hate. This guy loves, loved to say the N-word pre-2000. He, he did. He really liked doing it. I cannot tell you why. Probably because... Probably because he's Irish Catholic. Yeah. <laughs> but even then, he talks about how much he doesn't like Catholicism in Last Temptation, right? Mm -hmm. You know? Yeah, but he also makes silence. I know, but like... In silence, he said, yes, God is real. Okay. <laughs> okay, come on. He's like very Catholic, but also like he hates all these different parts of Catholicism, right? Oh my God. Yeah. As a Catholic, I get that. Yeah, right? You know? <laughs> That's the thing. Is I don't, I can't figure this guy out. This man, like, he loved to say the N-word pre-2000. Yeah. And I can't emphasize it enough. It was never okay. Yeah. It's not like, oh, it was a different time or whatever. No. It wasn't that much of a different time. It's not like he has like any of his characters that say the N-word be like, like heroes. Yeah, exactly. You know, like, yeah, he does always sh at least show that like those are bad people, they're bad people, I guess, but there's still not a point in doing it. Like, I think that there's only one good time, not even good. I think there's only one acceptable time that you can have a film s character saying the N word now. You mean a white character, white character saying the N word yeah. now. And it's, if you're trying to portray them as a giant, huge racist. Yeah. Right. I think that's the only acceptable time. But also, I'm not the person that can educate you on that. So, you know, maybe I should keep my mouth shut. But that's, at least in my opinion. Racism, kids. Racism is bad. It's but bad. yeah, he liked to say the N-word a lot. And I really can't tell you why. Yeah, but it's okay because <laughs> now he's documented as saying it on film forever. So it's fine. <laughs> in um, this movie. <laughs> in this movie. Martin Scorsese is the one who says it. It's fine. Um, so there's that. Um, there's also... Uh, the other like controversy with this movie, which needs to be addressed, is um, Jodie Foster. Uh, Jodie Foster is 12 when she played this character in this movie, and she plays a prostitute. Yeah. Um, now, whether she was okay with it or not, we never know. She, on record now, at least, has said that that film was really important for her and that she yeah. thinks it's good that she was in it, right? In some ways, mm -hmm. right? But at the end of the day, you know, you're not in the right age to consent to being in that kind of role. Right? Yeah, no. It's it it's really it's really fucked up. Yeah. Um and like they definitely should have gotten someone who was 18. I don't even, like was the character supposed to be 12? Yes. It was supposed to be a child prostitute for sure. Yeah. Okay. And that's why, you know, people revere him as a hero at the end of the movie is because like Oh, he saves a child from prostitution. Yeah. Yeah. And so it, it it's it's very controversial and it's kind it, of it's not like like that is like a child prostitute being a main character, um, regardless of who's like cast as it, like that is something that is just not going to happen like, now. now at all. Never. Like that is that is such a heavy thing to put in a movie. And it's almost so heavy that it's like it doesn't get addressed quite enough yeah. in this movie. Um, so yeah, like that's like very, very controversial. But it is like, I think it is purposeful. Like it's very, exactly. very purposeful. And that's the difference. And I hate to use this movie as an example, but like of why I didn't like Licorice Pizza so much last yeah, year is yeah. because the ending of that movie and the way that it ended, it didn't need to end that way. Yeah. In this movie, it's like very important to the plot. Yes. And it's important for how people react to Travis Bickle's decision at the end of the movie. Yeah. Right. Because people tend to, in this movie, they don't even... 
they knew who he was. He had the freaking mohawk. Of course, he's very memorable. Mm -hmm. They knew, the police knew that he was the one who tried to pull a gun out on that presidential candidate at that rally, right? Mm -hmm. They knew it. However, everyone forgave, like the police forgave him for that because he saved a child from prostitution, which we all know is the absolute worst thing that can happen to anyone. <laughs> That's why all of the, you know, child molesters in prison get beat up by everyone else. Yeah. Right? Because it's the most heinous act that you can do. This might, look, this movie, and I, I said this jokingly, but I, I do actually stand by it, which is like, this is a story about the most American hero possible. <laughs> like, actually. Like, actually. Right? It's because, like, Americans are, or a lot of Americans, I should say, are just waiting for the opportunity to be able to use a gun for a purpose, or yeah. to be able to murder someone. Like, so many Americans are just waiting for that opportunity. They really, truly are. Because um, we have a sick fucking country. Um, and, like, this dude is no different. He is, like, there, he's, like, always, the one thing he does complain about is, like, filth. Mm -hmm. And and the muck and the things he sees ruining his city, um, and you know, like there's a story and like part of like his character is that he's also a vet, and that's never Vietnam vet, yeah, and that's never like quite addressed, but it's such a huge part, right? It's such a massive part of like who he is as a person, yep, um, and it's just never addressed, um, but like he is all of those Americans who just want to do something and um, and are waiting for the opportunity and then he just actually does it. Yeah. And that's like why he falls in love with this girl, Betsy, right? Yeah. Who works for the campaign and it's like, I want to do something for you, but then she rejects him, right? And then he does everything from that moment to just like make a statement because he's so tired of the life that he's living and how it's so alone. He's like, I'm just going to do something. That's why he wants to kill himself at the end. Yeah. Right? Because he's done his thing. He's served his purpose and he's done now. Yeah. Right? And then he tries to kill himself, but he can't because he's out of bullets. Right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And it's it's such, it's, I would say, one of the most controversial movies to ever come out. Period. Mm. I mean... Controversial movies that still have like a lot of acclaim. Yeah. Right. Like, like no one, no one now except for racists <laughs> are like birth of a nation has great filmmaking techniques. Like, <laughs> like, like no one is like that. I'm going to just be honest. Most film schools, I think maybe at least mine. Did. did you watch birth of a nation? No, we don't. We didn't watch it. Yeah. We don't watch it in mine either. No, we never watched it. Um, Everyone just discusses it. Yeah. Everyone discusses like why it sucks now. You know? Yeah. Um, also, the editing in this movie, not very Birth of a Nation. <laughs> lo lo love that. Um, so, but yeah, you know, it's like... Martin Scorsese might be racist in his words, yeah. but not in his editing. Not in his editing. <laughs> and that's what matters, kids. <laughs> and that's, that's the thing about this movie is it's like, I feel like it's still really acclaimed now. Like, very, very much acclaimed. And it yeah. is one of the most controversial movies. I'm not. I'm not saying problematic. Problematic is a different movie. Yeah, I, I would say like West Side Story, the one from the 50s, 60s or 50s. That is a problematic movie that is still problem. I think problematic is problematic is a word that's used to describe things that have a lack of intention behind them. Yeah, right. Like people who are who say something in the past and didn't know what they were saying. That's problematic. Controversial is someone who is very intentionally doing something. 
and very intentionally like aware that the things that they are doing are like going to stir some kind of conversation and they're hoping for it. Exactly. And there's a reason why, and again, I'm going to say it, don't laugh, but that's why part of the reason was when Joker came out, (laughs) you know, that's why people were actually kind of nervous about a mass shooting probably happening, you know, from that and what happened at the Dark Knight Rises premiere in Colorado. Yeah. They had a gunman who did the same thing, right? They were worried because of the controversy that that movie they thought was going to stir besides not, despite not seeing the movie, you know? And this movie did spawn an act of violence. Yeah. It did. There was that guy, Hinkley, Hinkley Jr., I think was his name. Anyway. Yeah. But, Ron Hinkley Jr., now a music artist. <laughs> yeah, he's releasing music. Look him up on Spotify. No. I don't want to do it. <laughs> he went to prison. He served his time. <laughs> anyway this man if you don't know the story he was obsessed with Jodie Foster like to a bad level obviously and he basically said I'm going to make a statement similar to the way that Travis Bickle did for her to notice me basically sent her a note was like hey check out what I'm going to do and then tried to kill Ronald Reagan and actually did shoot him right yeah yeah. now Ronald Reagan survived Keshav seems to be happy that Ronald Reagan survived (laughs) I'm sorry. Seems to be. Happy that he survived? I'm just documenting what's happening. Survive? No. You seem to be. I'm not happy. Well, wait, are you saying that you wish that Ronald Reagan had died? That's not what I'm saying. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just giving you the read of the room here, people. Oh my God. (laughs) I promise. I love this country. I will do nothing to hurt it. I'm not a terrorist. You can't. (laughs) Oh God. Okay. 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 I didn't mean that. I didn't mean that. I got to be careful about what I say, (laughs) man. People look at me differently. (laughs) You're right. (laughs) Damn it. I love this country. I love everything that it's given me. I love America. Yeah. 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 Anyway, I'm not a huge fan of Ronald Reagan. (laughs) <laughs> That's all I'll say. Um, but I mean, it did spawn this act of violence, right? Yeah. And it was because of, first of all, his unhealthy obsession with Jodie Foster. But yeah. the other one being that he connected to this character. Mm-hmm. He did. Because what happened when Travis Vickle did this? He, he got was, acclaimed. He was acclaimed. Yeah. By everyone. Right? Yeah. Now, was that the intention by Scorsese? No. I don't think no, so. No, the intention wasn't to spawn people... The intention was actually the opposite, right? Yeah. The intention is to show how this dude is severely ill. And not saying that the people we killed are good people. They're not. But like, we exonerate people who do terrible things because we can morally side with them. And we have no clue if they're good people or not. He is clearly an awful person. Yep. Because right before that, he was about to try to assassinate a like a presidential figure. But none of that matters when you kill child molesters. Like everyone's like, yay, hero. Yeah, woo. Like he is, like that's what Scorsese is, is getting at. And it's such, again, it's just such a very targeted movie. Um, and yes, controversial, but I think like it is like the fact that it has a main character who is struggling with like such mental illness as well. And again, it's not like directly discussed, but like that's clearly what's going on. And it's like probably like some PTSD in there as well. Mm-hmm. Like because he's a war vet, right? Yeah, because he's a vet. Like there's a lot going on here. And it's such a complex and interesting movie. 
Um, it might be one of the most interesting Scorsese movies, if yeah. not the most, honestly. Yeah, a lot of people know Scorsese for his crime films, which is fair. You know, yeah, he's done yeah, a yeah. lot of crime films. However, this is one that is so influential to so many other character tropes. Yeah. Like this idea of a sympathetic anti-hero protagonist. It, yeah, everywhere today. That is so commonplace right now. Yeah. But in the 70s? Yeah, no. Never. No. Never. And so this was the movie to do it. And it's so that's why I say it's timeless in a lot of ways is because I think it's just as applicable then as it was or then than it is now, right? It's mm. it's still just as yeah, as applicable. So. No, I mean, and I mean, I think you joked about it before, but like this movie is Kyle Rittenhouse. <laughs> like, <Yeah>. like <laughs> yeah. literally, like yeah. th- this is just like, this movie is, it's still like the story of America. Um, and it's, again, it's just a wonderful, wonderful movie um, from a lot of different aspects. Controversial, but like as far as like an interesting film that I, that I like to see, like it's, this is, it really has almost a, like it all. Yeah. So definitely check it out. I think that it's definitely like a really, really great movie to watch. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm it, not gonna lie. There's also a scene that's super uncomfortable where he brings a date to a porn movie. Yeah. Oh my but god. But it's like meant to be. That's the thing. Is it's meant, know, it's to, meant be to be very that way, uncomfortable. But oh my god, that scene is so uncomfortable. Holy shit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, also, do porn theaters still exist? No. That's what I thought. No. Right? They no. don't exist. No. Streaming killed it. <laughs> Another way that streaming <laughs> killed the theater. <laughs> I hate how well that worked. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah. Um. So, uh, our question for taxi driver. I don't. I don't know. <laughs> I feel like we already answered it. Yeah. Which was, uh, why is this the most controversial movie of all time? It's not. It's not the most controversial movie of all time. But That's why is little... it so controversial? Yeah, we did answer that. And I think we we hit it pretty well. Yeah. Um, yeah. So. Cannibal yeah. Holocaust might be the most controversial one. Or I Spit on Your Grave. That's that's pretty controversial. I Spit on Your Grave? Yeah. Yeah. I haven't seen them. So. I have. I had to watch it for class. It was What? Rough. It was rough. We'll talk about this after. Okay. Don't look it up, kids. Don't do it. I don't know why I keep saying kids. Kids? <laughs> kids are listening to this? Yeah, all the kids are listening. Anyway, uh, so our over-under for this is inspired by the uh, trailers that we saw before <laughs> the movie. First of all, I do want to say something. This is a complaint. Why are there so many trailers before movies Holy, now? Okay, well, it depends on where you go. Marcus Theaters in Iowa City, <laughs> it's like 15 minutes. Here, it's 20. Yeah, it's crazy. Like, I could get to a movie like 20, 25 minutes late, and I... I specifically, I know which theater I'm going to, and then I leave, like, the appropriate time. Yeah. Like, I wait that out. Yeah. And, you know, seeing trailers... But if I ever go to a movie alone, I usually show up like 20 minutes late. <laughs> oh, <laughs> and no, seriously. Yeah, if I go to a movie alone, I always show up well after the showtime starts. Yeah. Um, But there was a trailer that we saw which was for Fast X. That's that's what I'm calling it. I'm not calling it anything else. I'm yeah, okay. calling it Fast X, okay? Okay. That's what we have to call it. Family. Family. <laughs> and it was, honestly, it was one of the most Fast and Furious trailers I've ever seen. It's so Fast and Furious. Uh, it has a lot of testosterone. Oh my God. 
a oh lot of testosterone. I, I couldn't think of anything other than like cars and nitrous gas, like the entire <laughs> the entire trailer. It was yeah. like that exhilarating. Um, and yeah. so we're going to talk about the Fast and the Furious movies. Overrated or underrated? You go first. Oh, damn it. Um, Fine, I'll, I'll go first. Yeah. Overrated, dude. Those movies, I can think of like two that are good. A three. Okay, three. I hate that we always seem to go with each other on these. Um, Because yeah, I'm also going to say overrated, but probably for a different reason. I think there are three movies that are good in that franchise. I think Tokyo Drift is pretty good, right? <laughs> as much as it like, there are stupid parts about it. I, mean, I think the first one's okay. I don't remember the first one. Yeah, the first one's just like a racing movie. Yeah, but like, there are better racing movies. Just watch <sighs> Top Gun, even though it's not a racing movie. <laughs> Uh, but I thought that one was good. Fast Five is really good, I think. Yeah, Fast Five is good. And the one after that guy died was really good. I think... You know what I'm saying? I think it's like Fast, like... Is Seven? Was that what it was? Yeah, uh, no, it's like Fast... I think fi Fast Five, Six, and Seven, Tokyo Drift, and One are okay. So that's like half the franchise. That's half? Yeah. But the most recent... Hobbs and Shaw was like... Ass. That was so bad. And the one before that, they had the car. Which one was the car that had the grappling hook? Like, I feel like they just keep doing more weird, absurd things with yeah, cars, but like it's not do. in a good way. No, I, like it. Look, Fast Five, the reason that Fast Five is so good, and it probably is the best in the franchise. Probably. The reason that Fast Five is so good is they were like, they realized the ridiculousness <laughs> of their premise. And then they started to lean into it. And that's where, like, I think Fast 7 and 8, you start to get things like they're jumping buildings with the cars. They're, like, putting a submarine in the Atlantic Ocean and driving a car on the ice. Like, insane shit. Yeah. Like, that's where that's starting to come from. And, like, there's only so much you can do that before it becomes, like, just, like, it, it becomes, like, Thor, Love, and Thunder. Right, where it's just like too ridiculous for its own good. Absolutely. You know, and I think that they hit that point a while ago. <laughs> um, and I don't know. I think they just keep making them because these movies are really big in like China. Yeah, and they make a lot of money worldwide. Like a lot of money. A lot. It's mostly worldwide gross that gets the money for this movie. I feel like pe like people just look at these movies and like this is what Americans are like. Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> but they're like, but it's like in a, it's like the way that we look at like kung fu movies. Yeah. You know? No, it seriously is. <laughs> yeah. Like it, it's definitely that. It's. I think that this is like, even from like critics, like I think a lot of people in like the kind of movie sphere like talk about these movies like they're anything unique. And they are maybe the most cookie cutter movies there are. They are. They're pretty cookie cutter. I mean, if you like cars, not the movie cars, but like cars, the, oh, yeah. the, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think that that's pretty much, that's, that's the movie. Uh, so Fast X, I'm not looking forward to it. I'm not, we're not going to see it. We're not going to see it. I'm sorry. For all you guys that wanted to see us see Fast X, we're not seeing it. Yeah, tough. But we will see the Adam Driver movie. <laughs> <laughs> 65 65 65 anyway well that's yeah. our episode for this week yeah uh we'll see you for the next bi-weekly podcast <laughs> <laughs> all right bye ants <laughs>